up in the clouds like Zeus when they say you ain't the goat. I come down like who? But I got my head in the clouds like Zeus. Swear I can see the game from a bird's eye view. Jesus was a white man too, but you you know it's like we have he was a historical figure. I mean that's a verifiable fact. As is Santa. I just want right. the kids watching to know that. Yes. But my point is, how do you just revise it? You know, in the middle of the legacy of the story. What? What are you talking about? Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Trevin Hatch. Welcome to the Strangers in Jerusalem YouTube channel and podcast where we explore the Gospels and the Jesus traditions within their Jewish context. You can find the podcast if you'd rather get that, the audio, as opposed to these videos. You can find those at Strangers in Jerusalem at podbean.com. You can also check out my book, Stranger in Jerusalem, Seeing Jesus as a Jew, find many insights, relevant insights in there. In this episode, we'll be looking at the physical appearance, the physical characteristics of Jewish males at the time of Jesus. Did Jesus really look like this or this or this? What about this or these? We also will discuss why this topic matters for followers of Jesus. A lot of people tell me, oh, it doesn't matter. Skin color, appearance, none of that matters. I'll, we'll talk about actually why it does matter. And as always, please subscribe, click the subscribe button, and tell me down in the comments something new that you learned in this video. So follow me. Let's go to Jerusalem. We often see Jesus depicted as a white, fair-skinned, European with long, flowing, well-manicured hair, as seen in these movie clips that, uh, that I'm showing you now. More recently, we've seen artists and movie producers trying to depict Jesus in his original ethnic setting, as shown in these images. As we imagine Jesus growing into adulthood, we might wonder what he looked like and how others have, would have viewed him. What do we know and what do we not know about Jesus' appearance? So let's start at his height. How tall would Jesus have been? Obviously, we cannot say for certain, but the Gospels and different data, different archaeological data and textual data might get us, they give us a few kernels of information that might get us close. In the age of Jesus, adults were much shorter than, we, than adults are today. Even Goliath, who was shorter than most professional basketball players. But you might say, wait a minute, I thought he was nine feet tall. That's not shorter than most NBA professional basketball players. But you have to note that many English translations of the Bible, including the King James Version and other popular, the NIV and other popular versions, they claim that Goliath was six cubits in a span or about nine and a half feet tall. So see 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. This is seven inches taller than the tallest person ever recorded. Uh, who This was Robert Wadlow was like nine feet tall. So this is seven inches taller than the, the largest, tallest person ever recorded. However, most of our English Bibles are translated, were translated from manuscripts that post-date Jesus by almost a thousand years. The Greek translation of the, of the Hebrew Scriptures the Septuagint, and the Qumran Bible, so the Dead Sea Scroll Bible, the Qumran Bible, both of these predate Jesus, and both of them claim that Goliath was not six cubits in a span, but four cubits in a span, or about six and a half feet tall. At this height, Goliath would have been extraordinary. I, I'm six and a half feet tall, 
And oftentimes when I go to Israel with tourists, I usually take groups to, to Israel uh, once or twice a year. And when we go to the Valley of Elah, where David fought Goliath, I stand on my toes because uh, I'm a few inches shorter than 6'6". I stand on my toes and I tell everybody, I'm as tall as Goliath. And I give them a sling and some marshmallows and they try to, they try to hit me with a, a sling. In addition to that, examination of remains of 51 individuals in ancient Israel dating to the 13th century revealed that the average height of an adult was about 5 feet 5 inches. Similar studies concluded that in the first century, we're getting closer to the time of Jesus, at the time of Jesus in the first century, the average height of an adult male worldwide in the entire uh, ancient Mediterranean world was five and a half feet tall. Archaeologists have confirmed from skeletal remains of 200 people in a tomb in Galilee. And this ranges from the time period of a, a century before Jesus all the way to uh, the fourth century. So a period of 500 years, a family tomb, there's 200 people in there. They found that the average adult male was five feet, five inches, and the average adult female was four feet, ten inches. If Jesus was of average height, then he would have been around five, five. The only early Christian text that mentions Jesus' size is, is in the Acts of John, and it describes Jesus as being small of small stature. If this tradition is true, then Jesus would have been smaller than five, five, perhaps five, two or five, three. The Acts of John, we have to be careful with that text because it postdates Jesus by about 150 years, and therefore, we should use it with caution. But it is an early Christian tradition that Jesus was not, didn't have this massive towering stature, but he was smaller. Okay, everybody, uh, I know you were expecting something else, but as science will tell you, people were a lot shorter 2,000 years ago. So let's try to be adult about this. Uh, no snickering. And <laughs> hey, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so if we can all be mature, give me the gum, we can all get through this a lot faster. Note also that when the Roman soldiers came to the Garden of Gethsemane, they had to have Judas point Jesus out because they didn't know him apart from his apostles. In other words, he looked like all the apostles, similar features, similar height. He did not have the reputation of having this big presence and appearance. Okay, He was just average. And by the way, the, the, the reference in the Acts of John is verse 89 and 90. As an aside, if Jesus really was short, or of, even of average height, and lacking a dominant presence, then his ministry is even more impressive. Because social science research has shown that people are drawn to leaders who are young, vibrant, majestic, strong, attractive, charismatic. And here's an interesting study that I came across is that a group of researchers accurately predicted 70% of U.S. congressional elections in 2004 based solely on desirable physical traits of the candidate. So they looked at all their certain physical features, whatever, whatever their metric was, and they predicted, they solved for all the other variables and predicted it. Similar studies were conducted on samples in Australia, Bulgaria, and Finland. And researchers of those studies found that the more attractive candidates, based on certain measurable variables, received more votes due to their appearance or were significantly more likely to get elected. The author of 1 Samuel 9 demonstrates this human propensity when he proudly described King Saul, here's Israel's first king, proudly claims that he is, quote, handsome and taller than any man in Israel. This is 1 Samuel 9, verse 2. King Saul's appearance matched his position in the people's eyes. He's not only the king, but he's the military leader. Therefore, he is taller than any man. Also, Absalom, a charismatic leader who attempted to wrest the kingdom away from his father David, 
was described in a similar manner. Here, here this in 2 Samuel 14, 25, quote, Now in all Israel, there was no one to be praised for much of his beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. In this context, a passage in 1 Samuel 16 is salient. When God told Samuel to find a leader of Israel to replace the tall, beautiful King Saul, what did Samuel do? He set his eyes on Jesse's oldest son, Eliav. And why did he want Eliav to be king? Because upon seeing Eliav's appearance, his physical appearance, Samuel believed that he would be the next king. And it says, quote, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look upon his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The fact that Jesus was able to influence many people and garner much attention, according to the Gospels, without being visually attractive or possessing a commanding presence, speaks volumes about the power of his message and his ability to gain attention via his healings and his miraculous works. There's one other passage we could use. I'm hesitant to use this because it's Isaiah 53 where it says that where Christians see Jesus in that passage. And even in that passage, it says that the one who comes, you know, the Messiah will be, will not be, people will not desire him. And the word there is used for sexual desire. People will not desire him, will not be drawn to him in that way, that he will be lowly. His appearance will be, you know, uh, the exact words I don't remember, but clearly not a person of beauty. As a scholar, I'm hesitant to take that passage and put Jesus in that passage because the, sur the surrounding chapters imply that it's not talking about a, a future Messiah, but it, it could be, I guess, Christians interpret that as Jesus. But So that's something to also to keep in mind if you're a, a follower of Jesus and you, you believe that Isaiah 53 is referring to Jesus. That's even more evidence for some Christians that Jesus did not have this commanding beautiful, attractive presence. Okay, so this is just this is just an aside. Okay, what about facial features? Based on texts and various ancient depictions, an average Jewish male probably had short hair and a short beard. Long hair and long beards were unlikely styles for men because of lice, heat, and maintenance difficulty. The reason why I say this is because archaeologists have found combs in the from the first century at Qumran and Masada, and these combs had lice eggs. Also, the social customs, the norms, discouraged long hair on a man. We know this because Paul wrote that nature, Greek word physis, meaning the social custom of the time, quote, teaches you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen. During Jesus' day and in subsequent centuries, beards were common among the intelligentsia. Wise men and teachers and philosophers were depicted on busts as, as having beards. The rabbis also associated beards with wisdom and maturity. Voluntary baldness and smooth-shaven faces, like I have right here, smooth-shaven faces, this was shunned in Israelite and later Jewish culture because it was associated, that, that appearance was associated with youth, with immaturity, with pagan practice and divine disfavor. And here is, you can look these references up. It's Deuteronomy 14.1, Isaiah 3.24, Isaiah 15.2, Jeremiah 47.5, and Leviticus 19.27. You can look up those references. Rabbis, from early Jewish literature, rabbis loathed long, unkempt beards. If Jesus followed the Greco-Roman and Jewish custom of the time, he probably had shorter hair and a short, clean beard. So what about skin color? Skin color is harder to nail down. We obviously can't say for sure exactly how dark ancient Semitic people were, but we have an idea through genetics and other ways by looking at Semitic groups in the region 
like Arabs and Palestinians and Iranian Jews and Yemenite Jews and Jews in North Africa. Look at all these different groups. We see a darker complexion, dark hair. This is the ancient Mediterranean world that Jesus lived in and ethnic uh, makeup. What this means is that the contemporary popular image of, of a European looking Jesus with pale skin, a mustache and big beard, long flowing, well manicured hair, brown, you know, light brown hair, this is unrealistic for a first century Jew from the Galilee. The image of Jesus we have today was developed in the Middle Ages by European artists. That's, that's the same way I feel. That's what I've been trying to tell everybody. See, ever so often we have to let the general public know. Some people have challenged me on this. By the way, I'm not dogmatic on any of this. This is just a topic that my students really enjoy. And you'll see here in a minute when we get into some of the implications of this, my students really enjoy it. But some people have challenged me on this topic, on these conclusions by pointing to Jews today that they know who have really light skin, pale skin, and blonde hair. But these, my response is that these are most likely Jews whose ancestors lived in Europe and mixed with the lighter skinned Europeans. Now I realize that race and skin color is a sensitive topic nowadays. So I'm not really anxious to make dogmatic claims, but it's something to think about because the same people in my community who always push back on this topic and argue for a light-skinned Jesus will do two things. Number one, they will roll their eyes at the notion of a black Jesus. And, and the black Jesus is so important to millions of people of African descent. So they'll kind of scoff at that and roll their eyes. Number two, they're always quick to say, it doesn't matter. It only matters what Jesus taught and what he performed as the Messiah. Skin color and appearance, it doesn't matter. Here's a recent example from social media while discussing this topic. Uh, we, we happened to be talking about this very thing and I was giving a little bit of scholarship and people were coming on saying, oh, I love these newer depictions of Jesus that show him as a darker ancient Mediterranean Jew. But there's always a few people that for some reason, they get on and they say, it doesn't matter. So here was one of these individuals. She said, it doesn't matter. But then notice what she does. I definitely don't think he is a sickly, wimpy man depicted in so much art though. He had to have been in phenomenal shape and strong. As for coloring, doesn't matter. Now this is intriguing to me because the, the entire original post on social media wasn't about whether it mattered or it, it, people were posting different paintings, different renditions of Jesus and saying, I love this one or I like this one and people get on and say, it doesn't matter. But and notice that, that she then launches into the fact that she she definitely doesn't want him to be sickly, you know, a wimpy man. He wants him to be strong, phenomenal. That's this person's ideal, which tells us that it matters. If it didn't matter, she wouldn't have been thinking, oh, he he's strong and majestic. Okay, besides all that, I usually don't entertain, on this YouTube channel, I usually don't entertain these kinds of issues because my objective is to put Jesus in his Jewish context. However, as a biblical scholar and social scientist, I think this topic is both important and fascinating. So I'd like to spend just a little bit of time on this issue and propose a few things for you to think about. Everyone envisions or imagines deity in some form. You can't help it. You imagine deity. If you believe in God, he has to have, he or she or whoever has to have some form. Everybody imagines that. How do Christian depictions of Jesus reflect their theological view of him or vice versa? That's a question I ask my students. Is he a feminized figure as depicted in early modern centuries? Is he a masculine warrior figure as, as portrayed by the Nazis? And by the way, the Nazis despised the feminized Jesus, those, those images, and they claimed that this was a plot by Jews to degrade Jesus. 
by, by drawing him in a, in a, as a feminized figure. For the Nazis, he has to be strong and masculine and a militaristic figure. Is Jesus a, was he a hippie looking man who cresses children's hair and talks in a stoic British accent? Okay, that's modern America. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly. The black Jesus matters to millions of people of African descent. The image of a black enslaved Jesus is a powerful image for people. If a person paints Jesus as a strict, stern figure, that says something about how that painter views Jesus theologically. That painting will then influence how countless children view Jesus, how they imagine and view their God. Same with the painter who depicts Jesus as a forgiving or loving or sensitive figure. It shapes how people see their God. It shapes their relationship. So that absolutely matters how Jesus is portrayed by various people throughout history. Art historians who study this and they, they track images of Jesus throughout the history and those characteristics that people paint of Jesus reflects theological views of him. So it's actually quite fascinating. Here's a few pictures on the screen here. These two pictures are recent renditions of a Mediterranean ancient Jew. Notice, as we, as we talked about the scholarship of shorter hair and shorter beards as being the ideal, you have these two images, a little bit darker skin, shorter beards, shorter hair, dark, you know, dark hair. Notice this, this picture right here in the early modern period where you have Jesus as a feminized. Notice the rosy cheeks, the soft lips, more feminine features, the soft jawbone. We see this in art where Jesus is this mother, this sort of feminized mother figure. And you'll notice that some of the, the kids, the little children sitting around Jesus actually have, if you notice closely, they have a face of like a 50-year-old male. What they're showing is Jesus is a mother figure, you know, a hen who gathers her chicks. And we're all, even, even those who are old, even those who are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s are still children of God. And so that's Again, it's a theological rendition. Here is the black Jesus, and there's different different depictions, different renditions of a black Jesus. Sometimes you'll see him tied up and enslaved. I've lived in the South in three different states at three different times. I've been in many homes, and I've seen this image, and it's very important. It, it speaks to people of a certain um, culture. Here's a picture of a more modern Jesus with, a remember, again, a softer, more loving Jesus as evangelical Christianity, Protestant Christianity started to emphasize a loving heavenly father, that, those terminolo that terminology, you see these types of paintings. Here's uh, another rendition. This, th these images here are interesting because notice that in today's world, we tend to be a very sexualized culture. We are a pretty boy celebrity culture, for lack of a better word. We, we want our celebrities to be handsome. And the, what's interesting about, here's, so here's Ashton Kutcher, who looks like this other picture. And I've, I've just pulled these off of social media. The top picture here, notice Jesus with the, the hair and the, the very, it's almost seductive. The eyes are seductive eyes. In fact, I, I saw, I came across another social media thread about this and two women were talking, posting the different pictures. And this top figure right here, this top picture, one of the women says, yeah, this, I love this Jesus. This is, this is what I call my hot Jesus, all right? My hot, good-looking Jesus. Well, what's interesting is that Je Jesus didn't bathe every day. He was probably grubby, his clothes. In fact, these depictions of Jesus walking around with extremely white coat that's glowing white is just unrealistic. He was very, it was grimy. It was a very grimy, dirty lifestyle. 
but how easy would it be for, I talk this way with my students, I raise these questions, how easy would it be for a woman sitting, watching a movie depiction of a gorgeous Jesus? How easy would it be for her to inadvertently sexualize this image of Jesus? Here's another image that I show my, my students. This is a popular depiction of a 19th century Jesus. This was sculpted by Bertel Thorvaldsen, if I, if I pronounce that correctly, Bertel Thorvaldsen, a 19th century Danish sculptor. Notice, though, the striking similarities, the resemblances of, of this image with the Roman gods who are dressed in the bathhouse toga, specifically Zeus and Apollo. It's interesting that Europeans appropriated and borrowed the pagan gods, the, the, the appearance of Zeus and Apollo, and dumped that image onto Jesus. And then today's Christians, we just sort of run with that, where you have the sort of bare-chested, long-haired, Roman pagan god-looking image. Head up in the clouds like Zeus when they say you ain't the goat, I come down like who? But I got my head in the clouds like Zeus, swear I can see the game from a bird's eye view. What is fascinating is the paradox between the propriety or the appropriateness of depicting deity. Some find it harmless and some find it abhorrent. In Acts 17, 29, for example, it says, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. This is fascinating to me because when I taught at a large southern university, a Muslim student once came up after, and we were talking about this issue, and he, I, remember, I remember him telling me that any depictions of the holiest prophets and, and God are to be rejected. And what he told me is that even if he's in his, let's say he's in his bedroom studying and it, it comes time to pray, Muslim, any Muslims pray five times a day. When it comes time to pray, he says he makes a conscious effort to hide any depictions of humans. So he'll turn over magazines or posters on the wall. He'll cover them because they're very, you know, in a holy space, they're very careful not to worship or pray to graven images. So I, you know, me personally, I have a lot of holy envy in that practice. Also, another few things here, let me mention the Screwtape Letters. Here's the C.S. Lewis, popular Christian author. Any of you who have read the Screwtape Letters will remember that these are letters from a, from a demon who's in the hierarchy of Satan's throne. His name is Screwtape. And he is writing letters to his nephew, Wormwood. Wormwood's job is to tempt a human. His assignment is to tempt this human and get him to come to the side of Satan as opposed to the enemy. They call, throughout the book, it's called the enemy. God is the enemy to demons. So Wormwood has all these issues and he, he needs advice on how to tempt this human. And then his uncle, Screwtape, sends him letters. It's been a while since I read it, but there's one part of the text where Screwtape tells his nephew, because Wormwood is all freaking out that his human is starting to pray. He's praying more in his bedroom. And Screwtape writes him a letter and says, that's not a problem. What you want to do is spin this and distract him. How do you distract him during prayer? What you do is don't allow him to focus on the real God. Make him focus on the picture on the wall or the crucifix on the wall, because that is a limited, finite image of God that will, will cloud his judgment. Like if he's focusing on this item, and actually this is chapter four of Screwtape Letters, you can read it in there, where he says, where Screwtape says that this, this guy built this image Somebody painted that image and he finds value in these objects. Get him to focus on the objects, not on the real God. So it's something to, to, to think about. If someone finds solace in, a, in the pagan God Jesus or the black Jesus or the white hippie Jesus 
or the masculine Jesus, then who who are we to criticize? That's kind of what I, I tell my students and I try to remind myself. But we should know, however, that when we depict Jesus or any other deity, we are imposing our own assumptions, our own biases and prejudices and preferences and theologies onto him. Again, depictions can tell us a lot about one's relationship with deity, but also depictions, they run the risk of distorting or limiting God in the minds of young Christians and especially children. So that's all for this video. Thanks for watching. Please, again, click the subscribe button so, you're so that you'll be notified when I, when I post a new video. And also tell me in the comments below something new that you learned in this video. And as always, you'll find more information on these topics in my book, A Stranger in Jerusalem, Seeing Jesus as a Jew.